Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Like when things weren't going the way that they were supposed to go, when he was, um, he was, there were breakdowns of trust and there were, um, there were lies and there was addiction. I was constantly trying to wrap a net. Like I spent my entire existence trying to wrap a story around what was going on in my life that would make it still okay. Right. I was there always trying to be like, you know, when my my ex-husband didn't, you know, he left his job and didn't go back to work and he wasn't telling me why he didn't go back to work. We created a narrative that he would be a staying home dad. And then we were winning again, because isn't that so progressive that your husband's a stay-at-home dad? And, you know, um, so for me, when he finally was like, I'm out, like when the other person who was holding up the other side of this story or this narrative or this perception of myself finally said like I'm done I don't love you um it was I was desperate and I was um I was you know I took entire I I took responsibility for it entirely that was the first phase I went through was like what did I do to be so unlovable that he couldn't change his behavior for me um, and that's, I spent a long time when I came to you, I was kind of, that's where I was is, you know, this is, this is my fault. And I, um, you know, I was ashamed that my husband didn't love me enough to behave as I thought he should. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real-life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome back to another episode of Voices of Celebration. Today I have with me uh, a very dear former client of mine, Amy. We met uh, a little over six years ago, and some of the people that I interview are right out of divorce. And Amy um, began six years ago and has a really powerful story to share. So thank you so much, Amy, for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. So 
I love to start with a little context for our listeners. If you could just tell a little bit of uh, how long you were married and what led you down the path of divorce in whatever nutshell works for you. Sure. Um, I was married for 13 years um, until, you know, about six years ago when we separated. And I think that my divorce was a, um, it was a long time coming. It was a, people were actually surprised people who knew us, um, or I guess knew us superficially, you know, um, were surprised because we didn't, you know, we didn't seem on the outside to have big issues. Our kids were surprised because it wasn't that we were in this tumultuous, always fighting around other people. Um, it was a devolution. Like it was a, it was a long, slow slide into divorce that had actually started, you know, fairly soon after we got married. Um, and there were lots of, you know, there were lots of issues like there always are. There were issues of, um, addiction and there were issues of trust and truthfulness. Um, and so finally with things, you know, coming to a head that there just was such a loss of any closeness and a developing resentment um, that that sort of is, you know, when my ex-husband um, just is the one who said, can't do this anymore, don't want to do it anymore. Um, and we we started the process. It's always interesting listening to people who choose to leave versus those whose uh, partners choose to leave. And, and there's a different flavor in that too. And I'm hearing that even though you were unhappy and things were uh, dissolving, it was, it was your ex who made the decision to end the marriage. It was absolutely my ex. And I fought tooth and nail against it. I went, um, I mean, I went down a crazy internet rabbit hole and bought some like save your marriage program. I mean, I was in such um, just abject fear and terror. And um, I always, I always, when I picture myself at that time, I picture myself sort of like a cornered animal, like not sure what I was going to do. And like, this can't possibly be happening. And just like a stress and like a fight or flight response of like a million percent. Um, so I was not the one who initiated. I was bitter. I was, um, I wanted to try to make it work. Um, which looking back is one of the hugest changes. Um, I am so grateful to my ex-husband for, you know, it, I'm so grateful that he did what he did. Um, I might've, I, I might've stayed. I could still be li like, it, it makes me feel um, not ashamed anymore. Cause you know, I, I don't sort of go there, but it makes me feel so grateful that I'm not living that version of my life. Um, right. And I really do feel actual gratitude to him because I did not make it easy. Um, you know, he, I'm not saying he handled it great. He's not a saint. None of us are, but, um, but yeah, the, the change in that from going from a place where I was, I was all in on salvaging the marriage and then, um, to today where I, um, I'm so grateful that he actually had the cojones to say, I want out, um, because it, it afforded me the ability to have the life I have now. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's so beautifully put. And I would love to walk through um, just those earlier days. I have a couple of words that I pulled from my notes that I, I want to share. And I love that you started off saying, you know, I, I fought it tooth and nail and I'm so deeply grateful. And that in a nutshell is so often what our Voices of Celebration guests say is, you know, that that huge fear, that huge resistance, like, thank God I got to the other side of this. And and when I was reading through and it was it was 2016, the summer of 2016, when Amy reached out, uh, you were the primary earner and had like a lot of concerns and fears around finances, even though you were the primary earner. And for good reason, uh, you shared regret, you shared shame. I think there was a lot of self um, judgment and um, condemnation, both about your behavior and about how people would see this, this transition that you were forced um, to go through. Um, and there were, there was just a lot of confusion, even about speaking your truth and it being judged as judgment or other such things. And so there was so much that you and I talked about that was all this kind of inner storm that you were experiencing. And I, I wanted to just put that right out there because you're in a very different place now. And yeah. it's so important that those of you who are listening, that as you listen to Amy, who's going to come across really calm and confident <laughs> and grateful, um, like the rest of us was a hot mess in those early days and struggling my, with your own demons. Yeah. And I, I mean, even from the beginning, when my ex-husband left, like after he told me it was over, I didn't work. I didn't go to work for two weeks. Like I just totally broke down and was not a functional human um, for, you know, so that if that gives a flavor of, of what it was like and how, um, how deeply just in trouble and without direction and desperate and afraid I was. Um, yeah, no, it was not, it was not by any means, it was not easy. Yeah. yeah. And so can you share a little bit about um, when I asked you offline, you said, and something about having come to a place where you can be yourself. So can you describe what, what the opposite of what that was that you were living in and then share with us a little bit about that journey? Um, so that predates my marriage. My mom, when I was growing up said, I, she told me you thrive on approbation. Um, so like I have that and I joke about myself that nobody loves a head, a head, a head pat as much as I do. Right. Like I want to win. I want people to think I'm winning. I want people to think well of me. That was something like, a, a, you know, sort of a, a theme in my life, I think was really, um, my, my self-worth was mixed up in, in what other people thought of me. And I was constantly terrified that people wouldn't, wouldn't think think well of me. Um, in my marriage, it was, you know, we were this, when we met, we had this like amazing love story and everyone knew it. And my ex-husband would tell anyone who would listen our, you know, the story of our meet cute and all of how it was so perfect. And we were like this fairy tale, you know, just sort of, we had this like story 
um, that, and we loved telling it and we were wrapped up in it. Um, that went all the way through, like to when we had our first child and she was like this perfect kid, this perfect baby. And so it was, you know, my life was very much about sort of this, I was fully bought into this narrative, this like very externally (laughs) focused narrative of like high achiever and successful and look at, she's a princess and her, her prince loves her more than anything and all these wonderful things. So when it came, you know, as I think as my marriage was devolving, it was shaking my self-worth to the core because I had very much, I was winning before, right? And everything was like winning or losing. And I was winning and I was doing it right. And I had done marriage right. And I was, you know, all of those really like sort of black and white judgmental words. And when my husband, like when things weren't going the way that they were supposed to go and he was, um, he was, there were breakdowns of trust and there were, Um, there were lies and there was addiction. I was constantly trying to wrap a narrative. Like I spent my entire existence trying to wrap a story around what was going on in my life that would make it still okay. Right. I was there always trying to be like, you know, when my, my ex-husband didn't, you know, he left his job and didn't go back to work and he wasn't telling me why he didn't go back to work we created a narrative that he would be a staying home dad. And then we were winning again. Cause isn't that so progressive that your husband's a stay at home dad. And, you know, um, so for me, when he finally was like, I'm out, like when the other person who was holding up the other side of this story or this narrative or this perception of myself finally said, like, I'm done. I don't love you. Um, it was, I was desperate and I was, um, I was, you know, I took entire, I I took responsibility for it entirely. That was the first phase I went through was like, what did I do to be so unlovable that he couldn't change his behavior for me? Um, and that's, I spent a long time when I came to you, I was kind of, that's where I was is, you know, this is, this is my fault. And I, um, you know, I was ashamed that my husband didn't love me enough to behave as I thought he should. Yeah. And we hear that so often, right? That taking 200% responsibility when we're only responsible for our 100%. And, um, and that kind of white knuckling it, just trying to hold it all together, hold the facade together as it begins to melt apart. Are you emotionally overwhelmed, heartbroken, bitter, paralyzed by fear? In order to effectively navigate the significant decisions before you and skillfully master your life after divorce, you must attend to your emotional recovery. Our 12-step divorce recovery program is an emotional roadmap that guides you to feel clearer, stronger, and more in charge of yourself. Thousands have emerged transformed by the lessons, strategies, and tools our roadmap provides. Divorce will change your life. 
Enroll in the 12-step divorce recovery program today and ensure that the changes will be life-enhancing. Go to divorcerecoveryprogram.com to enroll. You know, the other piece of it is assigning fault to him, to saying like, this can't possibly just be a thing that happened. This is your fault. You're a bad person. You're, you know, like you go through all these different ways that you're trying to grapple with this thing that doesn't, that's happening, that doesn't fit. <laughs> right. In all the, all the constructs and all the, you know, all the narratives that you've created. Um, yeah. There's a lot of blame blaming myself, blaming him. There's a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. Um, yeah, it was really, really very difficult. And I felt very stuck. I remember feeling very stuck. Like right. there can't possibly be a way, you know, there can't possibly be a way through this. I just, I didn't understand how to, how to move out of that, how to move out of that. Cause of course that was the reality. Like the reality is like, my whole life's over. This thing is broken. I'm all screwed up. He doesn't love me. Like I, everything's messed up. Right. And and even as you're talking about it, what's so interesting is the holding on to what we have no control of, right? Which is that 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 facade, that public persona, and and the partner and the other person, right? And it's like as 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 one tries to hold on and white knuckle and grapple with something that you really don't have any control over the initial thing is to feel more hopeless and helpless because the focus is, is where there's no control. And one of the brilliant things that I want to say is the amount of attention and effort that you put into just keeping shifting back to why am I taking all of this responsibility? Why am I judging myself that much? And, and how do I begin to, to change my internal dialogue? Yeah. And that's still something that I, you know, I, um, I struggle with is taking responsibility for things. I, it, it will, um, that manifests itself in my parenting actually. So, um, you know, I still struggle with making sure that it is not the case that if my child is not like, if one of my girls is not succeeding or, um, is behaving in a way that's, you know, not, um, not great. It's the answer isn't always that I didn't, parent them into the right behavior, right? Like they are, they are sentient. They're still children. Um, but definitely that, you know, having learned that in through the pro like started to learn that through the process, starting with my divorce, um, has actually helped. I would not be the parent. Um, I still don't think I'm, I've, I've got it handled. Um, and I, you know, parenting is an area where I try to grow, because it doesn't come naturally to me, but I learned the things that I started to learn in my divorce absolutely helped me in my parenting. Well, that's beautiful. And that's, that's really what we hope for everyone. And there's also a breaking of generational chains when we start changing our behavior and teaching our children to engage healthier. So kudos to you for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this um this shift because here you're you're describing on one hand uh, a partner who 
Um, there were trust issues, there were addiction issues, there were financial issues. And so it would be so easy for somebody to be like, this is all your fault. You are the problem. You're the bad guy. I was a big fan of that narrative for a really long time. And people, as you move through divorce, people like that. Like people relate to you. They like a villain and a bad guy. And, you know, um, my family, like there was, it was, there was no shortage of people in my life who were very happy to go along with, um, the, you know, the story of like, wow, he's really a bad, he's really a bad guy. He really did terrible things. And this is all his fault. And look at poor Amy, who's just this, you know, this wonderful, upstanding, smart, intelligent breadwinner. And, you know, yeah, you'll internally, like, if you want to go to that place, um, there's, you will find a lot of people who will help you stay in that, stay in that place as long as. <laughs> so one of the conversations I recall having with you, if I could put this on the table, um, was when you were finding your voice and you were sharing with him what you noticed and you would be told that you were judgmental. And so you would bite your tongue and cause you didn't want to be judgmental. And so you were very confused and it actually, I, I remember it um, sparking me wanting to write a, a blog post. Um, can you share a little bit about what you remember about that situation? I remember the day that you taught me the word discernment. <laughs> um, I remember because I was constantly getting from my ex-husband. I, he was saying I was judgy. Um and I was judging him and constantly judging. And there was this very, really hard time for me of learning, okay, but doesn't, I was like confused, right? Because I have opinions on things. So I was like, so is it okay for me to have an opinion on things? Or is it not okay for me to have an opinion on things? Like, because I'm being told that thinking that, you know, people doing cocaine is not great is judgy. <laughs> and that confuses me because that's something that's inconsistent with my values. So that in a nutshell was, I mean, that was really, really, really difficult for me to find a balance between, okay, there are things that I feel and that I think, and that, um, you know, I, I am, it is okay for me to make, um, to make decisions based on, based on those things that I, that I think and feel. So the idea that, you know, um, the difference between discernment and judgment, I always think like discernment is about you and judgment is about the other person, right? Like, so if I'm, if I'm judging you, then I just want to talk about how screwed up you are and how, what you're doing is wrong. Discernment is this where you take the power back and you say like, that's not something that behavior that you engage in is not something that that works for me and that I want in my life. And so finding that the path to that was like mind boggling because I was like, OK, I don't have to make you a villain, but I do get to say that what you're doing doesn't work for me. And I get to draw a boundary that I don't want it in my life. And then you're just like, whoa, <laughs> like you have so much more power and you have so much more independence and authority. And you can talk about being unstuck because then you're in a position where you can actually like, holy crap, I can move my life in a direction I want 
And I don't have to, it's not about being mean or being judgy. It's just about saying, that's not for me. That that's not something I, that is going to serve me. And, and I think um, what's so powerful about that is not that your um, husband was trying to be manipulative because he could have had the exact same confusion, but if he's saying you're judging me and you're thinking, I don't want to be judgmental, well, then I can't have an opinion. Well, then I can't articulate what I'm noticing and how it doesn't work for me. Well, then I can't do anything about it. Um, you can get very stuck. Yeah. Where do you go with um, that? Right. <laughs> right. In circles, you go in circles and you always feel bad about yourself because you're never being true to yourself. And you're always like, you just can't, you cannot move forward with that mindset. Right. And and just for our listeners, I'm just going to give a, a very quick example. And because um, uh, drugs came up, um, you're a loser drug addict. That's judgment. Um, I've noticed that, um, uh, that I feel uncomfortable with the girls going to you after, uh, knowing that you've been partying the night before. And so I'd like to adjust that's discernment. And so it's not, it's not putting the other person down. It's saying, this is what I've noticed. And this is, and this is how I want to handle it because I'm discerning something that's in this particular case, you know, not, not safe for the girls or I'm discerning something that doesn't work for me. So, so the judgment is when we kind of really start labeling and putting down the other person, as opposed to um, simply articulating what we see that doesn't work for us. And, and, uh, and then being able to have agency over what we do about it. Right. And that that sort of opens a lot of other doors, I think. And it did for me because then with sort of with great power comes great responsibility. Right. So the idea that, oh, OK, so I am actually responsible regardless of this other person's behavior and choices. I'm responsible for the trajectory of my life and I'm responsible for taking actions that are, you know, that will move me down the path that I want to be on. Um, so not only are you, you're not stuck, but you actually are, you're empowered and you're responsible for yourself. Um, and that can be a little scary too, because when you, when that falls away, when you don't have anyone else to blame for blocking you and your own, you know, um, on your own journey, it's a little scary. Yeah. Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck. The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time. Let us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time. Book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking, being, and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce. Our gift to you is taking that first step with you. 
on your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call. One of the things you said to me when when we spoke prior to this was actually, I want to see if I can I can grab the exact words because I was so impressed with it. So you guys, you said to me, and now we're fast forwarding to now for a moment, at least after the conversation we just had. Um, so you talked about this, this beautiful kind of fairy tale presentation. And now you're saying we co-parent great and it keeps getting better. And yeah. I think that that is such a beautiful thing to hear and encouraging. Can you maybe share a little bit of that journey from maybe when it wasn't so great and why to where you guys have landed? I mean, I think as co-parents, we always, um, we did always put the the kids first. So there, we didn't have any, um, I would say we, we, we didn't, there was never a situation where we were like arguing in front of the kids or using the kids as pawns. But I think that um, what has evolved as each of us has found the space, you know, being not married and the space to um, really be the best version of ourselves um, is that we both have gotten rid of like, the judgment of the other person's parenting when you're married um, is so it's constant. And you're, you're, when you conflict over, like you, you feel like you're supposed to agree on how to parent your kids. And when you don't, it's just, um, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. Um, what we've moved into is that we absolutely have different um, parenting philosophies but we've been able to identify the common ground in our parent, our parenting philosophies. And I think at least from, from my perspective, and I think my ex-husband too, we've modeled, um, we find it very important to model for the girls, um, respect and that, you know, we, um, we, uh, we always present a united front. Our girls complain. So our girls really get, they joke around with us, but they're like, um, for example, if, you know, they'll ask, they'll ask Tom about something and he's like, if it's something of important, he'd be like, that's okay with me, but you need to ask your mom. Um, and when he drops them off, he'll say, man, you know, Madeline, did you have something you wanted to talk to mom about? And there's no, and they, they're just like, why can't you be like other divorced couples, other divorced parents who just fight all the time? Like, why do you have to check in with each other and, you know, do this? And how come we don't have two Christmases? And why can't we play you against each other? Like, it's a, it's a family joke. Um, so it's been, it's been just, I mean, we don't, we don't agree on every, everything. Um, they absolutely see, and they know that we have different, we have different opinions on certain topics. Um, like cropped shirts, um, <laughs> different opinions on cropped shirts. Um, but I think the fact that we are both, um, you know, we've both had the space to grow independently um, apart from one another um, 
like that, that sort of, I think that's the best case scenario. Like we were never going to stay married and that was never going to work. Um, but that didn't have to exclude our being great parents to our girls. Um, and now I feel like we have the freedom to do that. I would not be the parent I was I, that I am, or that I'm on my way to being, or that I'm working towards being if I was still married. Gosh, so that's, that's so encouraging to so many. And, you know, and yet you're also saying right from the get go that you had someone who was, um, uh, who, who had a child centered perspective as well, which was very helpful. So, you know, we've, we've talked a couple of, about a couple of different things, your self judgment, you've mentioned, um, you've mentioned, boundaries a few times. And that's just, it's such a key skill with children. It's such a key skill as you're navigating divorce. Can you share a little bit about your journey with boundaries? I'm still on that one. Um, it's a big one, right? Um, so boundaries, I remember from coaching, <laughs> I remember a specific conversation um, with you about boundaries and about when Tom was moving out of the house and um like the bedroom because we did this sort of like bird's nest thing for a while where he was staying with them in the house and then I would move out and you were like well you should put a lock on your bedroom door um and that blew my mind like what what do you what do you mean I was like so I'm allowed to do that that's a thing I can do like I <laughs> So it, the concept of boundaries was really not something um, that I was familiar with or com or comfortable with. Um, and that's been something that it's, I, I think, again, I feel like that's something that I've just learned the importance of it. I'm not there with mastery yet. I would say that when I renovated my house, I didn't give my ex-husband a key. Um, I gave the keys to my kids and that was like huge because we're so, it's interesting. We are very amiable co-parents, right? So sometimes that can make it, um, that makes it so that you don't, you sort of can get away with not tending to your boundaries under the guise of this, like, oh, look at us, you know, um, happy go lucky. Everything's fine. Co-parent. And I was like, but I don't have a key to my ex-husband's house. And I, I don't think he should have a key to my house. It is my house. So Things like that still, um, you know, I learned to, to, to work through. Um, but yeah, the idea that like, that just, it is okay um, to set a boundary. And I think the key being setting a boundary, again, it goes back to the sort of like discernment judgment thing. Setting a boundary with someone is not disrespectful and it's not hurtful. And if they take it, if they are hurt by it, then it's because they're not comfortable with the concept of boundaries. People who are the relationship I'm in right now is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. And it's, you know, people are, my boyfriend's very comfortable with boundaries. We're both very comfortable with boundaries saying, these are the things that work for me. These are the things that don't work for me. Um, yeah. So if someone bristles when you assert your boundary, it, it's probably not about you. That was hard to learn, but that's sort of wrapped up in the whole codependence. And <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. So um, what would you say, what role did the coaching play in, in your journey? 
Wow. Um, it was, I just was so confused. <laughs> I was just so confused and so muddled up. And um, the idea of like your voice of, of these, these subtle, but important lessons of um, not even that subtle, like of the things that are okay. <laughs> like I just had this right and wrong concept in my head that had always this binary concept that had always been what I used as a frame of reference. And I think coaching, um, coaching pulled me out of my, this narrative that wasn't serving me and gave me an alternate way of looking at things. Um, that made it possible for me to move forward. Um, so really, like I said, it all goes back to being stuck, like pre-coaching stuck, like just didn't have, didn't have the tools, didn't have the perspective. And then would come to coaching my, it's a funny story. My brother. So my brother's ex-wife is the one who brought me to you. She was, uh, you know, she also did coaching with you. She found it so powerful that she said, when I got divorced, she was like, I'd like you to meet with Karen and I'll pay for it for a month. Um, after that month was up, my brother, so her ex-husband <laughs> said, I can tell when I talk to you, when you've been to coaching, I can tell you, you need this in your life and you need to keep doing this. And I, I want to just keep paying for you to do this as long as, <laughs> as long as, um, as long as you want to do it, because I can, I can tell when I see you and you've been to coaching, you're, it's a whole different Amy. Um, so, yeah. So it was like, I don't know if like how I would explain coaching. Cause it's been it, like, I I'm very pro the coaching modality. Um, like my experience with you was very, it wasn't just let's talk about all the things that are bothering you and why they're bothering you. It was like, okay, um, what's going on for you? Um, okay. And let me tell you what I see in terms of the framework that you're using. And let me suggest maybe a different framework that might serve you, that might serve you better. And, um, it was very empowering and action oriented versus, just event session, which it was, and you're always, you're a great listener, but it was very, um, it was very, like I said, it was empowering and it was practical. And I'm a practical person, like <laughs> actual tools. I still, you know, I still have the notes. I still have the things to go back to. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that I'm hearing you say, and and so many of the clients who come to us is, you weren't even aware of the beliefs, belief systems that it, you were locked in this prison of your belief systems, as we all are. And it's like and we don't even know it. We just know we're operating by this blueprint that's belief systems often that have come from our family of origin, our culture, our religion, society. And, and so we're just like, like. What do you mean I could put a lock on the door? <laughs> what do you mean I could speak I could speak my opinion? Like all of these things. And so what I'm hearing you say is that you had all of these different belief systems um, that had you stuck. And as we looked at them and poked at them and dismantled them and said, oh, that's a good one. Let's hold on to that. That one serves you. Oh, that one, 
you don't even like that one. Like you, you abhor <laughs> that one. Why don't we get rid of that one and see if we can find something to replace it with? Right. I mean, I mean, it is, that is, that is it in a nutshell. So, so one of the favorite, um, one of my favorite quotes that I've actually thought about having tattooed on me, cause I love it so much is from a roomie poem that I love. And it says, why do you stay in this prison when the door is so wide open? And like, it just, every time I read it or think about it, it just is like, you can just, I was locked in this, like, we're all sort of have this tendency. You can become locked in this prison of your own making. And the only thing you need to do is to just make a different decision. And I think that you gave me a lot of the tools to just assess things differently, use a different, apply a different framework, look from a different perspective, um, poke away at, you know, this, this belief that you thought you had that you don't even know where it originally came from. Yeah. Yeah. And that very first step of let's just start becoming aware of what these walls are that are boxing you in. And and that way we can look without judgment, without, you know, uh, any anxiety, just, you know, are those walls good for you? Or are they, are they supporting you in the way that you want them to? And those walls are our beliefs, right? And, uh, and I'm just, I remember you dismantling um, one at a time and just almost like a lotus flower, just kind of like coming into your own, which is, and now you're describing your life. How would you describe your life now compared in comparison? Oh, wow. Um, that sort of makes me want to cry. Um, so this, the life I have now, I just, I know in my soul that it can be anything I want it to be. It is whatever the definition of stuck, it like coming from a place of feeling so stuck and so powerless and so demoralized that like, well, I guess this is it. Like I just screwed up my life and I had this divorce and it just, you know, um, I remember walking through the grocery store in a time like that of being like, just like a zombie and thinking to myself, well, no, it's, it's okay. I can just, if this is what my life is, like, I'm just going to trudge through, like I can go to the grocery store and just, and I just won't have any joy anymore. Like that's, like that life is closed to me now and that possibility is closed to me. I thought I had that fairy tale. It's okay. I'm not going to die from this. No one dies from a broken heart. And you're going to be fine to this, the place I'm in now, whereas it's just so, um, I just feel so free of that and so empowered to whatever it is that I want is available to me um, by my, by my own agency. And I have, such deep relationships. My friendships grew through my divorce and my ability to be a good friend. And, um, you know, as I said, I'm in a relationship now that is, I I was not capable of being in this relationship. So you think about like, you just, it's not about meeting the right person. It's about like becoming a person who's capable of being in a relationship that nurtures you. And that is additive. Um, I just, I have, you know, my life is far from perfect. I, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. My kids both have ADHD. Like it is so hard so often. Um, and yet it's mine 
And I like, there's just nothing standing between me and my ability to consistently be moving towards what I want and what, what, what makes me happy and what fills me with joy. It's just, it's like a 180 from, from feeling totally stuck and powerless to feeling completely empowered. Mic drop. What else do you say? (laughs) Yeah. I remember, I remember thinking you were, I remember judging you. I will say during coaching, early coaching, because you had shared with me sort of something along the lines of how post-divorce, it wasn't just that you were fine. It's that it was better. Right. So that like, it's like kind of the idea of like, we were talking around the idea of being like, you were actually like, I know you can't see this now. Like, I know that this is, and I did, I, I thought like this, I was like, that's terrible that you would be like, sort of even to suggest that you can almost be like happy that you got divorced. I was like, who would think that way? Like, I remember, I remember this script going on in my head and I, I will, you know, I, I don't notice that, like, I don't regret my marriage, but I am so grateful for my divorce and I wouldn't be the person I am. Like I was on a path and not, not because of my ex-husband, but I was on a path in my life that was not going to lead to like, I was never going to be the fullest version of myself on that path. And it was my divorce that was catalyst for putting me on a different path. Um, And so I thought you were crazy when you told me that. (laughs) Thanks for sharing and amen to where you are right now. (laughs) Yeah. You, you know, you, you've had such an incredible transformation and just the smile on your face and how you're lit <laughs> up just shows um, where you're at. I want to thank you uh, for coming on and sharing a part of your story. And before we say goodbye, um, I want to just offer you an opportunity to share any encouragement, words of wisdom with our listeners. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it really what I would share is that it was, I did not see any light at the end of the tunnel. And I am a, I'm a very, I pride myself on my intelligence and my, my worldliness and my, and I just was in such a dark place. And I had fully decided that I was simply going to live a, you know, a, a mediocre gray existence and trudge through life. And Um, and I was resigned to making that, um, making that work and doing the work. You just have to show up. You just have to show up, um, and do the work and awareness is, I would say three quarters of the battle. So it's just, just, just show up, just notice, like it's not you don't always have to be, if it seems overwhelming, you don't always have to be doing and figuring and whatever, just notice. Um, and things really will shift and they will start shifting before you know they're shifting. Um, so just have faith, I think. Have faith. Beautiful. And awareness is always the first step. So I love that you you ended with that. Um and just being aware is super powerful, even if you don't take steps after that. They act there's actually a ripple effect. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you can't, you know, 
I have a theory. I, I definitely have the, the beneficent universe theory, right? Like the universe will, like, you just got to open the door crack, right? Mm-hmm. Just open the door crack through awareness and um, the energy that surrounds you will, you know, things will start to happen. Well, and it's, it's okay because you don't always have the energy or the wherewithal to do much more than that, but to notice in the very hard times. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. <laughs> no, thank you. And for those of you tuning in, we'll be back again real soon with another episode of Voices of Celebration. Until then, you take care. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.